from Rochester, this is FC3's Monkey Business, your one-stop shop for everything geeky, and everything is geeky if you love enough, starring Dan Carmen, Billy DeTori, Chris Frank, and myself, Tanya Metris. However, we only have myself and Billy with us as the two main hosts, but yet we have Anne and Deanna with us today, so we are so excited to have them join us um, and we are going to talk a little bit about uh, John Williams so good morning everybody hi should we rename this podcast three and a half females <laughs> maybe I spent yesterday idea. watching rom-coms I'll take the half <laughs> maybe I don't know it, it just doesn't doesn't seem to have the same vibe as the beginning if I'm doing the the intro that's me. I, I don't know. I don't know if you're dandy. You're you're excellent. I'm dandy. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I like three and a half geeks better than three and a half women. <laughs> yeah, that kind of three and a half too. chicks. Four geeks in a podcast. Ooh. Or monkey business. Yeah. <laughs> it gotta stay with the uh, the branding. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're definitely trying to stay on brand for everything but yeah i i don't know i'm just there's there's definitely a different energy a different vibe is that a good thing or a bad thing it's a, it's a strange thing, thing. Okay. it's a different thing i i, I don't know because th there's definitely a different energy going probably because we're all still half asleep and i don't know Speak for yourself i had to drive my kid to work at 7 30 this morning Ugh. And she's already back. Yes. She only really works like an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. It's just calf chores. So, oh, okay. you know, with the grumpy old man. Mm. Father-in-law, not husband. <laughs> Isn't he grumpy anyway at times? He is. He, his main personality is grumpy, but grumpy in a cute way, which is kind of adorable. Like, he'll be like, grumble, grumble, grumble. Come here. Let's go get some coffee. Let's go to McDonald's. Grumble, grumble. <laughs> Oh boy! So it was like old man cranky. Well, yeah, he is seventy five or seventy six. Yeah, it's like Wade in fifty years. It's exactly what I'm thinking he's going to be in fifty years. <laughs> well, start taking notes then. <laughs> yeah, just feed him and let him take a nap, and he's good. There you go. So basically the same. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so I believe this is going. We recorded one um, a couple weeks ago, but. That one really didn't go very far because it had definitely a different different vibe from everything else that we're doing. So we're trying again, maybe something. Mm. I don't know. Um, but on February eighth, John Williams turned ninety. So we are going to talk about his legacy of um, all the music that he's composed, the the shows that he's um, been a musician in. It. The information is overwhelming. I know Deanna said she had six pages worth of trivia and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I've got stuff up on my computer myself about John Williams. And and I'm hoping that Dan can put like 15 second snippets in every so often, <laughs> like as a break, because I know that um, all the music is uh, copyrighted. So yeah, therefore, be careful. 
we got to be very, very careful. I'm like, but we can always go. Dun, 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 dun. Or we can. Take I read on. an article um, yesterday when I was trying to do some research, and it, it this hit me a certain way. It was it said that John Williams was to adventure movies in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s as Lin Manuel Miranda is to musicals of today. I can I can see that. Yeah, I was like, wow. Because you think, like, he brought to life so many movies just with the music. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't think half those movies would have been as good if it didn't have that music leading up to certain parts of it. Right. I mean, the article in the New York Times that I I got some information from that that ran earlier this week, they um, talked to uh, Itzhak Perlman. um, And they said, you know, when he was working on Schindler's List, you know, John Williams talked to Perlman and the, this quote from this article is to me, it is so hits the nail on the head. Perlman said his music has a fingerprint. When you hear it, you know, it's John. Yeah, th- that really is a true fact. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Lucas called Williams the secret sauce for the star Wars franchise. <laughs> Could you imagine being called that in the 70s? It's so awesome. <laughs> no, that's funny. That, um, that's really, really funny. Yeah, it, it's just when you hear other directors and musicians talk about John Williams, there's a reverence there. They, He is on a pedestal, and they don't mind putting him on that pedestal because he's earned his place on that pedestal. Now, one thing I'm I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia page right now, and all the stuff he's done that I was unaware that he worked on. Uh, was it Star Wars that made him a household name? Jaws, or, really? Or, oh, Jaws. Yeah. Yes, okay. He did Jaws first. He he. His first nomination for an Academy Award, which he has fifty two nominations, only second to Walt Disney. His first nomination was in 1967 for Valley of the Dolls. And okay. His, and his first win was for Fiddler on the Roof in 72. But Jaws in 76 was the one that brought him the real household name. And then it just took off from there for him. It really did. So he's the the brains behind Dun Dun. Yep. Dun Dun. He is. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Because as I'm looking at his uh, listing, as his discography or the stuff he's worked on, I mean, old 60s sitcoms like Bachelor Father and shows like Lost in Space and The Time Tunnel, which great sci-fi shows. And maybe if I went back and watched them now, I could go, oh, yeah, that is mm-hmm. definitely John Williams. But without knowing it or you know, back when I would watch the reruns of those shows, I wasn't familiar with John Williams, but you know, like you said, Jaws, Star Wars, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of he made John Williams a household name. You know, and he actually worked before he got into to film scoring. He worked with Henry Mancini, Leonard Bernstein, Elmer Bernstein. He actually recorded um, Peter Gunn in 1959 with Henry Mancini, and he was also the studio pianist for west side story in 1961 huh so he's just he's been around for a long time 
even before Star Wars and Jaws. Yeah, I, like I said, as I'm looking at it, you know, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a classic movie that I wouldn't have associated with John Williams. Or what about like the Towering Inferno or the Poseidon Adventure? Mm-hmm. Except maybe Poseidon Adventure. I mean, because that feels, I want to call the John Williams movie. Right. You can tell when, at least after the mid-70s, sorry, I was sneezing, um, that he started to get that style. It was like he did all of that original stuff on the television shows, you know, getting his feet wet mm-hmm. and all that. And then once he got through, you know, Filler on the Roof and Jaws, like the sound is different. It's maybe I think it's different, but it's dynamic. And his name is so well known right. that it's how you feel. So I had a music boosters meeting yesterday and we were talking about what songs and stuff we wanted to play for different things and what we're hoping the orchestra and the band can do. And I said, you guys need to go next weekend to, or, you know, this weekend to see, you know, John Williams birthday at the RPO. And their necks all snapped and was like, what? That's this weekend. Oh, they were online buying tickets. Like we can't miss that. That's going to be amazing. You know, and, in addition yeah. to like the movie stuff, he's done a lot for the Olympics, mm-hmm. for NBC, and people. When you hear, you know, you don't realize it, and then you hear the tunes, and it's like, oh yeah, that is John Williams. He, you know, he composed so, the NBC News music that you hear for the Today Show, Meet the Press, and the Nightly News. That's a John Williams comp- composition. So did he do the Olympic? Dun, 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 um, dun. I believe so. Um, he's, Ooh, I'm going to look it up. He composed the Olympic theme in 84, which he actually won a Grammy for. And he did music in 88, 96, 2002. And he actually got an award from the International Olympic Committee for his contributions to the Olympic Games. The guy's not even an athlete, and he's getting lauded by the International Olympic Committee. Which means I was literally just listening to John Williams' music, if that's the case, because I was watching the Olympics mm-hmm. before I logged on to do this. Yep. So, and I heard the. Da, 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 da. Yeah, he um, was in 1996. He was the conductor for the Centennial Olympic Games, the torch relay opening ceremonies. Um, it, it's just amazing of everything that I'm like I'm seeing uh, that he was a couple episodes composer for nova um Mm -hmm. in in regards to the real jurassic park and the magic of special effects which i wouldn't be surprised so Uh, 1984 the olympic theme song changed and when it was in los angeles and yes um john williams did compose it you know, and wow. people, a lot of people do forget he has a very strong tie to the Boston Pops. He was their conductor for 13 or 14 years, and he still has That's a relationship with them. Um, he'll go back, you know, once or twice a year and conduct the Pops, you know, for special events. And he's, that is his, I think that's his true love is conducting and writing for or, or, um, orchestral music. Which uh, is Boston Pops is on my uh, bucket list. Whoever wants to go with me one day. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I saw an article from Variety that um, was posted right the day before his birthday. It's a, the headline is, as John Williams turns 90, no signs of slowing down with Fablemans, Indiana Jones, and birthday galling, gala in the offing. Um, besides continuing to work with Steven Spielberg, Williams has a new album with the Berlin Philharmonic arriving. A Kennedy Center 90th birthday gala is set for summer. So he's not stopping. Nope. But he's go he says that he is going to pivot away from movies. Because he says he doesn't particularly want to do films anymore. Six months of life at my age is a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he says he wants point. to um, write in concert works. And he spent a lot of the pandemic doing that because you really couldn't go anywhere and interact with people. So he spent the first couple, you know, year and a half of the pandemic writing concert works for artists and, and, and organizations. So I think you're, we're going to see a new style of music come from John Williams, and it's probably going to be just as good or even better than the, the films he's done. Yeah, it says that um, he plans to conduct concerts with at least five orchestras between April and November this year. Commemorating Williams's nonagenarian status is the release of John Williams' The Berlin Concert, a two-disc Deutsch gramophone set recorded during the composer's October 14th through 16th concerts with the Berlin Philharmonic. Um, the 93-minute collection includes many of the familiar signature tunes, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, Superman, Plus a less, plus a few less familiar pieces, including his theme for Solo, a Star Wars story, and his moving non-film elegy for cello and orchestra. Now I'm looking. He had, I mean, he's known for his his orchestral work, but he's so, uh, I'm famous is the word I, I want to use. Is that three of his his uh, songs have charted on the Billboard Hot 100. Yep. His son and that, his son Joseph is a lead singer for Toto. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But and that's fun. The three chart charting songs: theme from Jaws, theme from Star Wars, and theme from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But the one I, I'm surprised isn't on this list because I remember hearing it on the radio is Superman, to, the motion picture. I agree with you, Bill. I feel that's the one movie that kind of gets lost in the in the shuffle of all of the works he's done and i, I don't I wouldn't know even be able to figure out the the theme of it like for superman i would have to hear it really whereas like i if you say star wars i the theme pops into my head just like that if you say indiana jones it pops into my head just like that raiders same raiders of the lost ark jaws whatever but Superman, I it, that one doesn't pop into my head. Well, unlike you know right Star Wars, where he did all nine movies and you know doing all five for Raiders and two Jaws movies and three Harry Potters. Superman, E.T. and Jurassic Park. He only did the, the you know the first movies for Superman and Jurassic Park, and there was only one E.T. So they they do kind of sometimes get lost in that shuffle because they don't have the the multiple sequels to the original movie 
I, I, it's, John Williams didn't do Superman too. There I'm was surprised. A, there was a conflict with um, Return of the Jedi. I think Richard Donner oh. wanted him to do the second one, but he had already committed to Jedi and wasn't able to do it. Ah. I'm looking I, for my phone now because now I want to hear Of course, Ian sends me a thing. Hold on. I sent her the theme music because like three bars in, once you hear it'll it, click you in know. your brain. Yes. Yeah, it's three bars in. It's like. Yep. Yep. Okay, I have to stop it. So, because it's like 15 seconds in. But, um, because I'm assuming you guys can hear that in the background. Yeah, you're very overmodulated right now. I'm sorry. There's nothing. I may, I may have to whisper, <laughs> which is unusual for me because I don't like to whisper. I don't know what it, what it is. Maybe I have to go into my sound settings and see what the input is on the microphone. But yeah, now now that you sent it to me, yes, I can hear it, but it's not necessarily one that I would be able to identify identify just like if you say the movie superman i'm just like uh, okay <laughs> i think some movies for me may have a different sound quality for others because i played so many instruments but on top of that um we didn't realize how really blind i was and needed glasses for so long until like third grade so a lot of these movies when they came out i associated what was going to be happening based on the music because I couldn't see the screens. So if we were in the movies, unless I was sitting in the front row, I couldn't see mm -hmm. the screen. And at home, my parents had a rule on how close you could sit to the TV. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> so when I, when I finally got glasses, though, my ears were already tuned into that music, that theme music, that what was going to happen. Like, you can't watch a horror movie and start hearing that ominous music, and I, I'm already run into the next room. Great, like so, Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. Well, the some days I had watched a video. They did. There's a great video on YouTube, and I may even put it up on our Facebook page. It's called um, the Maestro's Finale: The Rise of Skywalker. It talks about the last filming. He's you know uh, they filmed the last recordings for the Rise of Skywalker. And they were talking, it's like a 10 minute video. They were talking to him about it. And he said that he doesn't read the scripts for the movies before he starts composing. He says it oh. thinks it causes you to form your own vision. He'd rather look at the film, be surprised at what happens. And then he goes and writes the music. That sounds like a brilliant plan because now he sees the emotion on the TV. That's exactly what he's on the thing. He could put it into that music, yep. you know. Oh, that is brilliant. Yep. And he 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 doesn't do it all at once. He'll you know he'll see something on 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 the screen, go to the piano, start writing, and he writes by hand. He doesn't use any computer technology whatsoever. Then he walks away, comes back, sees what he wrote, and then builds on that. But I just, I was, I love the fact that he doesn't, you know, because I guess Lucas had sent him scripts and stuff. And he's like, stop sending me scripts. I want to, I need to, I want to see the film before I start writing. And the one clip they showed, and I just, I had to laugh, was from Empire. 
before Han was put into carbon. Mm-hmm. When he and Leia have the exchange, I love you, I know. And they, it's just, it's an amazing 10 seconds to watch John Williams' mind start to turn about the music he's going to write for that particular scene. I would have become a musical genius if I knew I could have seen all those movies before they came out. I know. <laughs> I don't think it's in the entirety. Mm. It's in snippets. Oh, well, I'll piece it together. <laughs> I mean, that would be a brilliant plan, Billy. Yeah. Just go to Hollywood and say, listen, I'll watch all your movies and tell you what music to use. Because, I mean, your music library knowledge is bigger than most of us. But even if you could just go and watch and put in, like, music you know that's so obsolete. That's where I'd be good with a Tarantino movie. But composing original music like John Williams does is a completely insane skill that I can't wrap my head around. How many instruments does he play himself? Does he? All of them? (laughs) No. Let's see. You know, you talk uh, about a written. I mean, he has to be familiar with all mm-hmm. of them to write the music for them, correct? I did see somewhere, maybe it was on the IMDb site. Um, I got to get to trivia. That he was like at least trumpet and a couple other ones that he played. Let's see. I'm trying to picture him go going from like saxophone to oboe to flute and figuring out all the different parts. I mean, I know a lot of um, he plays piano. Yeah, I'm gonna say I know most composers do at least play the piano mm-hmm. and then one string and one brass instrument. Um, very little of them play percussion because it's considered, you know. Yeah, he was the son of a percussionist. Yep. Uh, and he, he maybe the oh I'm sorry he you know he studied at Juilliard and he actually not only has an honorary degree from the Eastman School he actually studied there for a short time oh my goodness in grade school he mastered the bassoon the cello the clarinet the trombone and the trumpet before he left grade school he's he, he definitely has earned the title maestro. Yes, and I saw that in um, from Slash Film. Um, oh, where is it? Uh, Lucasfilm on Instagram um, had put "Happy 90th Maestro." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it says thank you for your stirring and timeless contributions to the adventures of Indiana Jones and the epic saga of a galaxy far, far away. That was posted um, on Instagram the other day for his birthday. Do you th- I mean, John Williams is the modern day John Williams, but is there anyone comparable to him in, in your opinion? Because I have one odd one in my head. Well, I think for, for me, Billy, one that, one that comes to mind is actually, he was mentioned in the article um, in the New York Times is Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. You know, he does, you know, if you do some research on him, I'm sure he's done a lot of music that we're all familiar with, but you, you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, I know that, but I didn't know he did that. Mm -hmm. See, I'm wondering if Paul McCartney is a modern day John Williams, 
because he can play multiple instruments. I've composed a million songs to the point where, you know, piano, piano, bass, guitar, and even drums where mm-hmm. someone at John Lennon was attributed with a quote, with a quote that turned on, I'm not sure who really said it. People say it was John Williams. He was asked, do you think Ringo Starr is the best drummer of all time? And whoever it was replied, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. I've heard that quote before. Hmm. So um, I was wondering if there's a, an equivalent to John Williams where people know his songs. and I think Zimmer was more known for guy. the Disney stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Top Gun, Pirates. Yep. Glad- he did Gladiator. X-Men. I mean, you throw John Barry in there. I mean, he did all the almost all the James Bond movies and the Francis Ford Coppola movies. But there, I mean, we have a lot of really good composers right. in this country, it seems. But um, but still, I mean, John Williams is, is probably one of the on the highest of all of them. Henry because Mancini, he's got the name recognition right. that the others don't have among sort of not geek people. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think John Williams has way more songs than anybody else. Like, um, I mean, you look at some of these other ones and they've done like 15 to 20 films and maybe because he's been around the longest, because unfortunately, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of these other composers and I know their music and I see their music, but they, they're not 90 years old. <laughs> they're like, right. you know, dead at 55. <laughs> so not that that's a um, you know relevant, but his longevity in life could be also what is keeping him around, or keeping his music so revel- revel- relevant. He's spanned so many decades. He's touched so many generations of music, but the films that he associates himself with are legends in themselves. And, and outside of the franchises, you know, he's yes. been composing. He's composed music for 111 movies starting in 1958. Some of those movies include Born on the Fourth of July, Saving Private Ryan, The Witches of Eastwick, JFK. You know, those are iconic movies mm-hmm. that, you know, people, those movies have won awards. They've got, you know, high-level stars, you know, fronting those movies. But then you add the John Williams piece to it and it just makes them that much more iconic and memorable yeah i i I agree it's it's kind of like they play off of each other in making one good movie one good soundtrack makes for an amazing production Mm -hmm. oh the, the the music in movies to me is just as important as the acting and writing of the movie if if the music is blah, you're gonna be like, eh, you know, they're not they're right. not capturing this moment with this particular music. It's a, you know, and and that's where I think John Williams has a, a fantastic talent is he's able to look at a scene or talk about a scene with a director or a, a, um, a producer and figure out the feeling and emotion. And everything about that scene and put that into a musical composition that even if you're not watching the movie, you can understand what's going on at that particular time. 
Vader's Vader's theme is is one that comes to mind. Mm. You hear those those you know dun 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 dun, and you know that a badass is on their way. The Imperial Death March. You just know immediately, right? Yeah. And it takes to me it takes a special talent to capture that over and over and over again. You know, because think about Raiders and Jaws. You hear those those first, you know, few bars of Jaws and you're like, Oh my god, get me out of the water. I'm just I'm looking at his list of, of the movies he's worked on and it's it's incredible. I I mean, movies like, I, I think it was D that mentioned ones that you don't automatically think of, but even stuff like Lincoln and, you know, War of the Worlds. Or the the, the soundscape of those movies, or the campy, it's like a separate character. It's its own character. The campy movie 1941 with Je, uh, Belushi and Dan Aykroyd from the early 80s. Uh-huh. I like that movie. You know. It's not one that you know you. It's not one that's definitely memorable for a lot of most mm-hmm. people, but it's like, oh yeah, you know. Then you're going to go back and look at that and go, oh yeah. And Home Alone, you know, who knew who John Williams did? I'm, I'm. People did, but I mean, he was nominated for an Academy Award for best originally score for best original score of Home Alone. Hook is one I forgot about. I I like. I love that movie. Yeah. I know I'm looking through the the list and uh, it's it, what he's been involved with. It, it's it's literally every genre, every style, you know, comedies, dramas, rom coms. You know, he he did the movie, the music for the movie Sabrina with Harrison mm-hmm. Ford in 1995. Yeah, I was just looking at that. I'm like. You know, it's just, he is just, his fingerprint is on, is going to be on movies forever. Because I, I believe that composers today and people who do music, I think they strive to be like John Williams and have those. Well, yeah, the those people would need the drive of him. What? I don't know what would possess someone to work at 90 years old when you've got this body of work that will have you live more than comfortably for forever if you live for another 190 years. I'm sure it's not the money for him. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. There are some people that are just driven by the music that is in their head that they just want to leave that music behind for others to enjoy when they're gone and not the money itself um, from from working in bands and orchestras and other things mm-hmm. in my youth. And I'm going to parenthesis youth there. Um, a lot of those people who are so into music could care less about the money. They just want to see them helping the next generation and helping um, future generations, even long after they're gone, understand the music. Um, my 
piano and teacher, like she never actually taught me to play in real time. She played everything in halftime. And oh boy, it was very, very slow and boring. But getting those fundamentals down, watching her play, and then when she would speed it up for, you know, in church or whatever, you could totally understand that she she didn't care. She played because she felt the music, not because she needed the money. She was obviously rich in her own right. We all knew it, but she didn't care. Some musicians just tend to be that way. The music drives them, not material things. And I think he might be one of those people. There are so many broke musicians just traveling the country in a van playing what's in their head and heart. Yeah. Every single jazz singer or jazz musician I've ever met, <laughs> um, they get to be that way and you feel the music. There's so many movies that like, I didn't realize he did these movies. Like I'm, I'm going through and I'm watching and seeing some of them, the whole list. Um, like all the Harry Potter movies, obviously, are in there. Home Alone. He only did three of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner Which, of Azkaban. I didn't realize. I thought he did all of them. He only did the first three. They read, but they reused a lot of music from that. Right. Just so you know. Yeah. Um, Memoirs of a Geisha. You, I was obsessed with that film. The other one was Empire of the Sun that he did back in, in 1987. Yeah. You know, he has literally been around and he, like, I, like I've said before in, in the podcast, his music is everywhere and you just don't realize it until you start looking up. You know, and we were just talking about, you know, why he does what he does at his age. And I found this quote in the article from the New York Times this week. Music has been my oxygen and has kept me alive and interested and occupied and gratified. So music to him is like breathing. That That is so many musicians and artists, and I could completely see mm -hmm. that. I mean, imagine... Imagine if he couldn't stand up in front of, a, you know, in front of an orchestra and conduct anymore. That would probably, probably be what you know, does the man in long before writing and, and traveling and doing everything. Like you see some artists who, as they get older, they slow down and they can't paint or draw or sculpt anymore. And because that artwork can't come out of them, they, they, they just, you know, fall, fall to the wayside. And it's so awesome to see John still doing this into his nineties. I hope he keeps going into his hundreds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He really is just, you, you don't realize how impactful his work has been until you, like I said, look at the list um, and realize just how much he's contributed to film. I mean, you know, film has not been around in the grand scheme for a long time, and he's been a part of it for most of its existence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about before with silent films, I don't think you could have that kind of music no. in them. And that was usually a piano or a band playing along with the film. Wow. So I'm just reading through this article again. And this, to, to under, I think for me, this really hit home on just how impactful John Williams is. 
George Lucas initially rejected John Williams' scoring of the scene in Star Wars where Luke, guys, Luke Skywalker gazes at the de- at the at a desert sunset. Now, if you think about that scene and think about the music that goes with it, I can't think of any other kind of music that would go with it but what Williams wrote to capture Skywalker's emotions at that point. I couldn't imagine any other kind of music being played at that point. And Lucas said, you know, even though they may have disagreed, it wasn't about ego. It was about Williams trying to tell Lucas, hey, this is going to get the intended result of this scene. So he his ability to work with multiple directors, I think, is another, you know, feather in his cap. You know, because he's worked, you know, he's worked with Lucas and... Spielberg, but he's also worked with hundreds of other directors as well. Could you imagine going to work on a movie and they're like, hey, can you like work with John Williams? <laughs> I, I, I would literally just just push me over at that point. I'd be dead. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break to regroup and uh, jump into just all of the awards that he has won from the the Academy Awards to the British Academy Awards to the Grammy Awards to the Saturn Awards, all that type of stuff. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with all that information. And we're back looking at um uh i i'm just speechless in regards to all the stuff that john williams has done and it, it's overwhelming to just like learn more about him other than like oh yeah he was the composer for star wars and and uh i almost said star trek but it's not um and indiana jones and all that type of stuff but but to put something in perspective uh, about the length of his career, now the first sound movie I think was The Jazz Singer, nineteen twenty-seven. His first uh, film score was nineteen fifty-eight, so about thirty years after the start of sound film, John Williams started. So basically, if John Williams started recording right now today, that would make his first film. 1992-ish, which doesn't feel that long ago. So like Mm -hmm. you said, he was composing for film almost from the the start. Mm -hmm. I mean, 30 30 years isn't that long in comparison with the length of his career. No, it's not. And when you, you know, you look at... You know, he's had 52 Academy Award nominations. Only Disney's got more at 59. But 46 of those nominations were for Best Original Score. The man is a creative genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won four Oscars for the Best Original Score and won for Best Scoring ad- Adaptation and Original Song Score for Fiddler on, Fiddler on the Roof, which we talked about earlier. Um, since 1988, he's been honored with 15 Sammy Film Music Awards, the longest-running awards for film music recordings. 
Um, he, uh, let's see. In, nine, in 2004, he was inducted to the American Classical Music Hall of Fame. I don't know if we talked about that earlier. Um, earlier in the year 2000s, he had been inducted alongside the singer-songwriter Garth Brooks as one of the two inaugural inductees into the Hollywood Bowl Hall of Fame. Perry, um, I want a Garth Brooks John Williams album. I demand it. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, he, uh, um, six Emmy Award nominations, winning three, 25 Golden Globe Awards, winning four of them, 72 Grammy Awards, winning 25, 16 British Academy Film Awards, um, winning seven, 22 Saturn Award nominations, winning eight. Um, and as Deanna said, that he's second to only Walt Disney with the Oscar nominations. You know, looking, it, looking at those nominations, I think it's just amazing. His first nomination was in 1967. His 20, for Valley of the Dolls. In, mm -hmm. His 25th nomination was in 1989, which was born on the 4th of July. His most recent was 2020 for The Rise of Skywalker. So over a 53-year span... It was almost one a year he was nominated for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, um, it's like, and then looking at it, 2000, Angela's Ashes, 2001, Patriot, 2002 was AI, Artificial Intelligence, and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. 2003, Catch Me If You Can. 2005, The Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, 2006, Memoirs of a Geisha and Munich. Um, 2012, The Adventures of Tintin and Warhorse. 2013, Lincoln. 2014, The Book Thief. Um, and then 2016, 2018, and 2020, the last three Star Wars movies, Force Awakens, Jedi, and Skywalker. You know, and then you go back into the 70s, he got nominated for, you know, Star Wars and Close Encounters in the same year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, holy cow, <laughs> you know, you know, Jedi and Temple of Doom back to back years. Yeah. And then um, the Empire, Empire of the Sun and which, mm -hmm. which is a Beastwick in the same year. Um, born on the 4th of July and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in the same year. Yeah, I, it's, it's just amazing to me how he can shift. You know, you're working on a movie like... Um, born on the 4th of July, and then you got to pivot and do Indiana Jones. Right. Two completely to different movie styles. Yet he mm -hmm. managed to capture so so good on both of them. Both films got nominated in the same year. Yeah. And the Grammys that he's, that he's won. Um, Jaws for album of best original score written for a motion picture or television special, the Star Wars main title for best instrumental composition, um, Star Wars for best pop instrumental recording, best original score written for a motion picture or television special in 1978, um, Close Encounters for, for the Third Kind got um, were nominated for three, won two of them. Um, the Superman ma main title, 
um, Superman stuff, they were nominated for three. They won two. Um, Yoda's theme um, was nominated for Best Pop Instrumental Performance and Instrumental Composition, but did not win. M Vader's theme was nominated for Best Instrumental Composition. Um, and Empire Strikes Back was uh, nominated for Best Instrumental Composition and won. And then um, it also won for Best Album of Original Score Written for a Motion Picture or Television Special in 1981, along with Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T., like right back to back. It's like 1980, 1981, 1982, nominated and won. Yeah. Nominated and won. It, so, like, it's, it's like you knew if you, John, if you had John Williams working on your movie, there's a good shot you're going to get, the movie's going to get recognized. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how many, uh, you know, writers and, you know, just, just movie people are like, let's just send it to John Williams and see what he thinks. If he doesn't want to take it, we're not doing it. Like, right. you can tell. Right. It just, he, I'm running out of, of words to describe him because he's just so, he has the ability to compose for any kind of movie you know a comedy you know drama you know you know how, how can you go from home alone to schindler's list in a three-year span you know definitely def definitely different ends of that spectrum you could walk up to anybody and ask them what are one of their top five movies and i bet one of them will have a john williams piece in him oh i, I absolutely agree with that and they, they may not even know that John Williams composed the music yeah, because he's been involved in so much. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. This is just, you know, because doing all this research. Do you have a favorite John Williams composition hmm. from any of his movies? I know what mine is. See, I want to say that Superman is mine. That's why I brought it up mm -hmm. earlier. I think I'm it's one of the, it's one the of the top three theme. that he's done. I think it's one that people hear it, and once they hear it, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's Superman." You know, it definitely goes right along with the movie, and it gives you the vision of Christopher Reeve flying through the air and Clark Kent and all that. Hmm. Mine, uh, mine is mine is, is it's, it's it is from Star Wars, but it's it's. Duel of the Fates. Uh, to me, that is just, oh my God, that is so powerful. And just that whole song and composition, you, I close my eyes and I just see the scene. I see that scene and it's just amazing how it goes. The music just parallels the, exact, the scene line for line. See, I don't know if I necessarily have one. I probably could narrow it down to two, but I'm I'm not sure it could be one. I mean, um Well what are they? Um the Cantina song. I just love how it's peppy and upbeat and you know like that just <laughs> it, it makes that perfect little almost like, you know, twenties kind of feel to it. Right. And I love that. Right before you had and the then, debate of who shot first. Yes. 
you know? <laughs> so you add that in and then um, arrival at Hogwarts is probably, probably one of my seconds, okay. yep. but there's so many along the way and that has changed over the years, but the arrival at Hogwarts, just the sheer drama of the first time Harry's looking up, mm-hmm. you can feel the heaviness of it. Yes. I'm thinking. <laughs> and I think that's important in any kind of music it, when it's in movies. You know, you're visually seeing something, but you, sh- you should also feel what you're seeing. And yeah. he has that ability. And he's, it's, a, it's a fantastic ability to have to make you feel along with what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I know when you watch, you know, you're watching and you see that the cantina starts to come on and I mean, I can remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I just want to get up and dance. And you're thinking something good is going to happen. <laughs> okay, and then now, it doesn't. <laughs> with, with the cantina, that electronic group Miko had the hit in the 70s. Did John Williams get the writing credit for that? Do you rem- do you know what I'm talking I about? I know what you're talking about. I don't know, Billy. I'd have, we'd have to probably look that up. I, I don't know either, but... Uh. I wanted so bad to play that song at my wedding. Like I really did when everybody was, you know, coming in to sit and eat. But my uh, DJ didn't have that. I mean, he had every other John Williams song at theme from Star Wars, but he did not have Cantina. <laughs> I'm looking up Miko, the uh, the disco version of Star Wars theme, and so he he was. Miko did all the Star Wars music in a disco theme. Oh, the me here's here's something that it just blew my mind while I was looking up Miko's Wikipedia. While at the Eastman School of Music, together with his two friends Chuck Manjoan and Ron Carter. Well, there's something I didn't know. <laughs> Is that you're talking about Miko? Miko, yeah. Holy crap. That's Miko, awesome. his uh real name is Dominico um, Minardo. Yeah. And he went to the Eastman School of Music and was friends with Chuck Manjone. Wow. Wow. So there's a Star Wars connection in Rochester. Mm. Or was in Rochester. Wow. Well, that's, that's pretty amazing. Like, But, you know, maybe we, we should completely do a podcast on musicians who went to the Eastman School of Music. Hey, I, that I, I, I'm ready cool. for that. I think people would be very surprised at the connections that came through the Eastman school. Yeah. There's so many people who've studied or at least on a semester mm-hmm. or two there to, to, to feel that knowledge. And Miko definitely owes some money to John Williams because albums include star Wars and other galactic funk encounters of every kind where mm-hmm. the uh, Superman and other galactic heroes, Nico plays music from Empire Strikes Back. So he definitely uh, did the versions of John Williams' music. So hopefully Mr. Williams made a – well, I keep going back to the money because I'm just stu- – I'm, I'm just curious how – like you said, he, he's done so much stuff over, over his life. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you already have millions, what's an extra million? Yeah. I mean, in all honesty. Well, ask Metallica that question. 
Okay, you cannot throw them into this mix because there's a difference between greed and sure genius. True, a uh, true, and Metallica is definitely not pure genius. Sorry if I offend any Metallica fans out there. I love Metallica. I've seen them in concert numerous times, but I mean, the last time I went to go to a concert, I was looking at a ticket. And it was like four hundred dollars. That's crazy. And and I was like, you know what? I'll just buy the CD for ten bucks. <laughs> And that's even pushing it because I can go online, you know, and buy it from iTunes for even cheaper. And then just wait for the live album to come out to, you know, get the live version of it. Yeah. There is, um, oh my God, there's this guy on YouTube right now. He is taking every song, any song, and turning it into a heavy metal song. And I am, I'm so weirdly obsessed with it. I'm hoping he does a John Williams song or something with, you know, the actual words in it. But yesterday I listened to him to take Let It Go from Frozen and turn it into a heavy metal song. And I'm never going to recover. Oh, my goodness. So do you guys think this, you know, I think um, the audience is going to be in for a fantastic evening, you know, Friday or Saturday when they go with the RPO. I think this is going to be real popular with the community absolutely i agree 100 percent. i am excited to go and hear for myself i hear there's um there's going to be quite a turnout i'm glad that the rpo is doing this mm -hmm. um this is not the only event this year that will you know feature john williams music um i know they're doing jurassic park this summer, which will have music from him as well. Are they doing Harry Potter um, too? They are doing an entire week of Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. So before the pandemic, they were doing once a year one of the Star Wars movies while they played the music live with watching the movie. Oh my god. And one of the Harry Potter movies with the same thing. And um, I, I know they, they, they've talked about bringing it back next year. And that would be pretty pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. I want to be sitting in the in the top balcony, watching an Empire Strikes Back on the screen with the live music being played. That that would be a perfect night out for me. Yeah. You know, and I'm 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 very happy that we're you know working beside the RPO you know with this to help them promote it and. Um, you know, get people to say, hey, you know, the RPO is not just classical music. They have, they have very talented musicians that have the ability to mm -hmm. take this music and perform it for you locally instead of having to go to New York or Los Angeles to hear it. Yes. Yeah, I was just looking at their events calendar for the RPO um, at the end of April that says Revolution Music of the Beatles that Ooh. they're doing for... Friday and Saturday, the 22nd and 23rd of April. May, I know Anne had already mentioned, is the end of the month is the Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. um, June is... I don't know if they've got anything in June. Um, the first week, but it's, it's, it's Mahler, the Resurrection Symphony, so mm -hmm. it's not anything that um, not pop, jumps pop, out not at me. Culture right. Ish. I did see uh, Ben Folds in there for something, and they don't have anything out for July yet. So, I know their new season officially starts in the end of September or October. 
And I'm very excited that they've been talking about doing community as their theme for the next season, which would try to bring in a lot more of the local Rochester community, which is why we're here helping them. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm quite excited as, as somebody who's loved music my whole life. I mean, my, my daughter plays the violin. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, I, I, I can't wait to go. I would love to buy season pass, season tickets. Not that my wallet can afford it and Disney in one year, but it's, it's going to be awesome. Oh, Tanya, 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 how much, how much John Williams movies music do you think we're going to hear in Disney? Infinity. <laughs> To and infinity beyond. and beyond. Yeah, I, I don't think he did that one. But uh, no, he didn't. Actually, I was. I asked about modern day John Williams earlier. Randy Newman. Oh, you're right. Randy Newman. You are right, Billy. Is the answer yep. to that? Everything yeah. from the natural to Toy Story with with yeah. Randy Newman. And I only thought because I saw Randy Newman with the RPO a bunch of years ago, and the first half was. Randy Newman conducting the orchestra with all his movie music while scenes from the movies played on the big screen overhead. Mm-hmm. And the second half of the show is Randy Newman singing his hit songs and stuff. It's hard for me to see envision Randy Newman being as being a conductor. Well, but he, I, he you figure he's he's scored yeah, he's done movies at Ragtime and The Natural and The Paper and a, a ton of movies. Yeah and Toy Story and all those. So, and that, that was a great evening of music also. So, I mean, the John Williams one is going to be insane. That's going to be off the wall. I think people are going to be very happy when they leave the Eastman this weekend. Yeah. It's, it's just overwhelming to think about all the, the music that he's done and it's just going to be like blown away this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. He really it has provided moviegoers with the soundtrack of their movie lives for the last 60 years. Yeah. Six, well, isn't it more than 60 years? Hasn't he been doing this for like his first? 19, 1958 was his first movie, and it's a movie you can see on Mystery Science Theater 3000 called Daddy-O. That's 64 years. Wow. That's older than all of us. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take another quick little break, and when we come back, we'll have our question of the week, and then we'll wrap up for the week. <laughs> We're back. It has been a great discussion on the music of John Williams that we figured it was what, how many years? 60 something? 64? 64 years. 64 years. Uh, Yeah. Go go out and listen to some um, scores from some films. It just, it'll make you happy. So we, I um, went to uh, randomwordgenerator.com backslash question. That's where, because I don't have Dan's list, but I, the very first one that came up, it says, do you have something special that picks you up when you feel down and what is it? Who's going first? Uh, I was getting everyone a little chance to think and, and I'll go to you first. 
<laughs> okay. When I'm feeling down, um, I, I usually revert back to reading one of my favorite sets of books or um, a movie or I go hug a cow. I got that option. I always have a cat on me, it seems. So you can't just go pick up a random cat because they're just all over you. So go hug a cow, pet my favorite one, visit Autumn in the barn. There you go. D? This is going to sound, you know, on par with what we talked about today, but I go look for music. I look for some music to uplift me, just kind of, you know, get me out of my funky mood. And usually I'll try to envision myself on the beaches of Cape Cod, which is my, you know, that's my happy place is on the Cape. So, you know, find some music and mind transport myself to the Cape and that usually lifts my spirits. I have to agree with you. Not necessarily about the beaches of the Cape because I really haven't been there that often. Oh, but we need to go for, there. For me, it is definitely music. Um, and I listen to music every morning when I get up in the morning when I'm getting ready to take a shower and things like that. And I jump back and forth with whatever I'm in the mood for at that point. But yes, music is definitely the the thing that um, I is my go-to when I'm feeling down or kind of cranky or whatever. And I just start blaring it. And then I usually go back to like some of those 80s music or the Beatles or Billy Joel or whatever. And I start singing along and then dancing, especially if it's at work through my classroom. And then the kids laugh at me and tell me to stop dancing. But that's me. Billy? Uh, I'm going to, it's going to be three for four, four for four with music because it is the thing that it'll pick you up. And there's so much out there that you can find something, whether, you know, sometimes I want something louder and harder, punkish. Other times I want singer, songwriter, acoustic guitar stuff. And it, that's the type of thing that will get you out of a funk. Sometimes you want funk music to get you out of a funk. Um, so I'm going to go with that. But also sometimes when I just need my brain to calm down, I'll, I'll turn on the TV and look for sports, even if it's a sport I don't like. Sometimes just staring at a game of some sort where I know the rules kind of gets my gets me back on level. Is I love baseball. That's my favorite. But a football game, uh, even basketball, which I'm not a fan of, but just knowing that I it's something I can follow and not to think too hard about kind of, you know, if my brain is in a bit of turmoil, it kind of calms me down a bit. Yep. Sometimes we all just kind of need to check our brains at the door and zone out. I do that with movies. Check my brain at the door and zone out. I don't know. Well, in that sense, we are going to wrap up um, this episode of Monkey Business. Um, It, uh, I tell you, I have a really hard time with the, the ending. This is where I need Chris to just come in and uh, finish it and it was going through my mind but while people were talking about how to do the outtake but yeah before you do the outtake we hope we you know let's let's say we hope we see everybody this weekend at the eastman um we'll be there look for us um and don't forget to 
help support the local artists and come out this weekend. Um, there's going to be a few surprises, and I think anybody who goes is going to have a fantastic time. Mm-hmm. Yay. And uh, this episode should be dropping on Wednesday, and um, Wednesday night, uh, Anna and Tanya will, Anna and I, referring to myself in the third person um ann and i will be hosting comic chicks and we are going to be giving away tickets um to the rpo one set for friday night one set for saturday night so we want you to email me your favorite john williams score um what's what's one that is the ultimate for you and you will be put into the drawing for a pair of tickets and some comic swag so on that note, do we have anything else before we go to the end? Anybody? Nope, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. And this has been another episode of FC3's Monkey Business, a product of the Mighty Monkey Corporation, purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic-Con, coming at you in September of 2022 on the 24th and 25th at the Total Sports Experience. We hope to see you then. In the meantime, we hope that everyone has a great week, a safe week, and we are going to hopefully talk to you again in the next few weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.